to the sleeper and the bust this is episode number 168 and i can guarantee it uh, maybe i shouldn't jinx it but i'm going to guarantee episode number 168 of the sleeper and the bust i am your host nicholas minix joining me as usual on sundays and perhaps for the last sunday at least uh for a little bit maybe a couple of weeks uh is jason collette jason how are you doing today Oh, not bad. Not bad. Uh, enjoyed a day of uh, football with my uh, youngest brother. Split my time up between my brothers today and uh, finished some yard work. Ready to talk some baseball because I don't want to talk football. <laughs> <laughs> I can hardly blame you. I can hardly blame you for that. And uh, it's good. Uh, there's some, some interesting baseball. It's actually shaping up not to be the most exciting race for wild card spots uh, that po- folks may have anticipated considering the number of teams that seem to be in it coming in. But and that kind of thing can obviously we we know it can affect availability for for our players. Uh, and we we'll start. I want to start with uh, just uh, with a team or with at least a player on a team who is <clears throat> uh, who is right in the thick of things is Billy Butler, who's uh, Ned Yost came out and said today after Butler had been in the lineup on Sunday and went two for four that he would be the in the lineup every day for the rest of the season. Uh, and I mean it's significant because the Royals are. Again, they're they're kind of basically tied for a while. They're they're in the wild card mix. They have the edge. Uh, they are tied with the A's for Correct. the wild card spot. So uh, this is a guy who's been kind of struggling up and down all season, and uh, playing time was intermittent until recently. I think, given like the the quantity of potentially or likely unavailable players, is this a guy that you would plug in? I, I mean, I wouldn't have been, I have, if I owned Butler, I didn't own him in a mixed league, but if I owned a Butler in a mixed league, I would have been benching him up until recently. Is this a guy you can plug in in a mixed league lineup in the final? I, I mean, I think I would, I think just based on the fact that I know he's going to play and there may not be much else out there. You said the magic words, you know, he's going to play. And I think that's, that's really the thing. All of you listening need to keep in mind this week, you know, Guys are going to sit. Guys aren't going to pitch their full lot. I mean, I, I bring a nice example is going to be Jordan Zimmerman. Jordan Zimmerman took a glancing blow off his shoulder uh, on a comebacker that he was used to you know, crouch so he wouldn't get hit in the face and went off his shoulder. Now he's got a bruised shoulder. You know, if he pitches uh, on his final start against the Marlins, which is completely meaningless, he may only go 35 pitches. He may only get his throwing in. Just to say sharp, he may not go five innings. So if you're banking on wins like I am or anything like that, there are going to be guys this week that are not going to go their full distance. They're just going to go out there, stay sharp, and get pulled. That's just what I mean. These these playoff teams that have 40-man rosters, they're going to use those 40-man rosters to keep their bullpen fresh. You know, you may your closer may not get may come in and just uh, throw a little bit and be done. He may do all of his stuff in the you know, in the bullpen this week and not do anything. So if you're banking on a, a, these guys, you, know, you you go into CBS or Yahoo or ESPN and it shows a two start guy. You know, be lucky if he takes both starts. You know, hope he hope he goes five innings and gets a win or something like that. But I'm not counting on much this week. You really can't because this is this is like week 17 of the NFL. They use this week to get some rest for the postseason. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I think it's you can say that with a number t- unless they're kind of like, I mean, if things are pretty much locked up, they're not 
they they can take a lot of liberties, and if think if they're out of it, they're not going to they're, they're going to be extra cautious with a lot of people. Um, I, I think what's interesting about, I mean, you can go into a week and uh, say. Uh, say Jeff Samarja, know he has a two-start week coming up, and say something. I mean, the A's have been playing horribly. What if they go? I mean, they have Samarja, I think, locked at least control under control for another season, and and uh, you know, say they continue to tank it, and where like they're eliminated by uh, Thursday or Friday. I mean, there's he may make his he may make his final start, but there's no need for them to depend on him. Not, that's that not necessarily may not necessarily be the best example because it's really hard to say, but I think that's kind of the point is that it's hard to say. So, uh, uh, this is, this is a bit of a crapshoot week. It's not the, it's not the friendliest of fantasy owners. It does make for some interesting finishes sometimes, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. And I don't know really how else to describe it because, uh, you can describe it a lot of ways that seem to be only easily labeled in hindsight. <laughs> well, it's going to be frustrating is what it's going to be. Yes, that is. Yeah. Because you, you are not going to have a lot of control uh, over your outcomes. I think that that's something you just kind of have to let go of, uh, just, you, you know, it's kind of let the cards fall where they may, or let the chips fall where they may and, uh, kind of be okay with it. Uh, if you're in a weekly league, at least. If you're in a daily league, do not be afraid, afraid I think, to, to play around with everything. I mean, dump guys that you never would have considered dumping. Hate hate uh, hosts such as ESPN and Yahoo for their can't-cut lists if you're in those if in those sort of arrangements. I mean, you should be dumping anybody and everybody who can't help you at all uh, or you don't think will have at least a likelihood of helping you. Masahiro Tanaka makes it, made his return to the rotation today, speaking of, and actually does look like a player who could help you. Uh, perhaps even again this week, uh, he made his return to the rotation today. I think pitched five in the third innings. Uh, it was one run ball. Uh, <laughs> it's as if he didn't have any time missed. Yeah, five in the third innings, struck out four, walked none, allowed five hits, and um over 50% ground balls. I think it's kind of right back to where we started with him. Uh, obviously, no guarantees as far as this goes, but everything as far as his comeback from this slight tear in his UCL has been has allowed him to get to a point where, I mean, the Yankees, I think, can go into an offseason still thinking that they can. Basically, they're, they're delaying the inevitable. I mean, he's going to eventually need Tommy John surgery. Um, it's just a question of how long he can get away with it, which, I mean... You maybe... figure, yeah, I mean, I I never thought we'd see him pitch again this season. So that's where I was, I'm surprised by this. I don't think he's, I don't know if he's out of the woods. I haven't looked at, you know, velocity to see where he's at. Uh, we've seen guys in the past do this, and then eventually it comes back and bites him. And so I don't think we're out of the woods now. Let's, let's say, let's flip it around to you. Let's say... We're drafting. Let's fast forward to March 2015, and Tanaka's out there in a mixed league. Do you pay double digits for Tanaka? Like ten bucks, I would think. I think uh, I would. I would approach it. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to approach double digits. I think because of the upside. Because here's the thing: like I look at like uh, this is something that I mean, you know, and I, he, you know, started to convince me of the possibility. I mean, I was afraid. I think probably every bit as afraid as you were, maybe more so. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't expect to see him again. I, I frankly didn't expect to see him until end of 2015, maybe 2016. Uh, but I think the thing about this is that we, it, because the tear is so mi- is so s- small, 
Um, and the fact that we have seen like, in the couple of instances, I mean, this has been done before and, you know, point out the best example was Adam Wainwright. I mean, he delayed surgery for a couple of years and he pitched really well. Right. In, in the meantime, that because the tear is so minor now, again, he's, I mean, he's, yeah, he's not out of the woods and he's eventually going to need Tommy John surgery. I think that that's, that is kind of just an inevitability, but we don't know how long it took him to get to res- this tear. I mean, if this is something that percent tear is something that's like built up over the course of his five, six, seven year professional career, including in Japan that, I mean, he could still go easily a couple of seasons and pitch reasonably effectively. I think beyond next season, I wouldn't be interested because I'd be like, all right, it's going to, it could blow out at any time. I mean, it really could blow out any time next year too, but I think I'd be a little more confident in the, I mean, there's the diminishing returns seem like, you know, I'd be willing to take a shot on him next season because I view it kind of in the same tier as like a back when Brandon Morrow would go for say around 10 bucks. Like it's kind of the same scenario, except that, you know, at least I know I'm going to, what I'm going to get performance wise, assuming that he's <laughs> healthy. Right. So I think I would take a shot on him. Yeah. All right. I, I, I'm you? not joining you. No. <laughs> no. And I can understand that because like, to be honest, I'm usually risk averse to players like this. I think because of this unique scenario, uh, right now, I say, yeah, you know what? I think I would take that shot. But there well, are also the guy that paid thirty-one dollars for garbage this year and nineteen for Tanaka. <laughs> so and Tout Wars, that's AL. So yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's I, well, I view it also too. I mean, like that's a lot for pitching. Like I think because I I'm ten, I tend to be conservative in my spending for pitching like Tanaka is the type of chance I would take like he wouldn't be my he wouldn't be my quote unquote ace so the fact that he'd be like my third pitcher maybe maybe fourth depending on how I'd spent but the fact that he'd be in that like I'm not depending on him but the, if if he turns out to give me like an Adam Wainwright type season or you know whatever Tanaka's Adam Wainwright like season is in his first uh post small UCL tear season. I think like I would take that uh, and, and uh, take my chances, but I mean, you can find, we uh, certainly, you've, we certainly found, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but uh, there are, there are always a lot more intriguing players to pick up uh, on the wire in terms of pitching than there aren't hitting. So I would take a shot on a guy like that. I think just because the cost is so mitigated, I think everybody would kind of feel the same way. Maybe it's not the case. Who knows? It'd be it, uh, part of that is going to be, you know, how does the tr- rest of the draft room feel? Maybe they don't feel the same way. Um, speaking of pitchers that seem likely to uh, to pitch, it seems like Robbie Erlin. I mean, not really a picture part of the picture in San Diego just a couple of weeks ago, and then he makes a fill-in start for Tyson Ross. Uh, by the way, Tyson Ross, uh, the Padres say he's going to miss another start. Basically, that means that he's going to he's shut down. They haven't said so, but. Uh, Robbie Erlin looks like he's scheduled for a couple of starts and he's a guy like, is this, you know, he's pitching. Um, Padres have, they always, they've, they've accumulated a lot of depth, so there's no reason not to let him go as well. And he's, he pitched pretty well against the Phillies and that's, I guess, not the most, the the grandest accomplishment in the world, but uh, that's a guy you might be willing to trust. Uh, Which night is he going to pitch? Erlin? Yeah. Let's see. uh, Well, it's, it's, According to the latest schedule I have, he's scheduled for one at at home against Colorado and then one at San Francisco. I think. Um, well, because I'm looking at I'm looking at Tuesday night, and right now they don't have they have no uh, starter 
schedule for the Padres. So maybe it's Tuesday night. If it's against the Rockies, absolutely put him in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think that would be the day. Maybe that's that must be the reason Tyson Ross is not. Uh, or you know that no one is listed there. Yeah, so. he's opposing De La Rosa, but I'm looking at a schedule and they have nobody listed. So if he's going to go that night, yeah, I, I'm all. It's the Rockies at Petco. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, he. I mean, he's an intriguing pitcher. I think he's. Uh, yes, I, I would like to throw him. I, I would be willing to throw him in a two-start week, even at San Francisco, who tends. I mean, San Francisco is really Jekyll and Hyde offensively, and at least Erlin is in similar ballpark conditions on the road there. So you have to like that. You have to like a shot, I think, to be a contributor to your fantasy team in the season's final week. Uh, Vance Worley starts in place of Charlie Morton on Sunday because Charlie kills it. (laughs) Kills it, yes. Kills it. I needed that win from Peralta badly. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much Jason's luck. Uh, Eight shutout innings against the Brewers today for for Vance Worley. I mean that's that's another guy that uh, I mean considering when when Charlie Morton comes back from a his this is all I got to see his sports hernia acted up I don't know how that happens or how that works but uh, when I think when a sports hernia acts up that uh, it's it might be acting up enough that he doesn't make another start so maybe Worley's in there again is that a guy you trust uh, I have to look at the schedule to even see who is who is on the bit the docket for him um, but. Yeah, that'd be at Cincinnati. I mean, that's an intriguing one to me. <laughs> that's a team that is that's a what that's one moribund offense. Uh, I I think I'd take a shot on Worley this week too, knowing that he's well. I assume also probably within the next twelve to 12, 24 hours we we get some news as far as a little more clarity. If that's the case, right. if, if I'm any more convinced, I think Worley is a guy I would trust because, in general, I mean he's he's pitched effectively more often than not. For a variety of reasons, we don't need to get into all of them. But uh, that is an excellent matchup, I think, even at, at Cincinnati. Uh, and even despite the fact that Worley is, I think he's a bit of a flyball pitcher. But uh, it wouldn't concern me a whole lot there. Cincinnati is just not hitting well at all. I mean, the thing is, ERA solid, whip solid, strikeouts, you know, it's below. If you're if you're out there chasing wins, which is pretty much all you're doing at this point, Yay. Go for it. Uh, if, if he does get the start, I have no hesitation in any league format to start him this week. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's not the best if you're chasing Ks. Uh, I mean, some of that, that is still possible. But if you're chasing Ks, you might be leaning toward guys who make two starts. And so he's not he's not certainly the best of candidates. <clears throat> um, and I guess maybe you could say the same about wins, but it's not as easy as it looks. And uh, just another quick off-season note while you're talking about next season, uh, Jeremy Hellickson is a possible winner trade target. I think he's the first one I've seen mentioned as a, from the uh, the Rays anyway. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jason, being is uh, that you're basically best pals with that entire rotation? Sweet baby Jesus. I pray to you, please trade Jeremy Hellickson off the Tampa Bay Rays. I cannot watch that piece of monkey crap pitch anymore. He is so, he is just, he's, he's his worst enemy. He just doesn't make in-game adjustments. This latest start was just another one. I mean, the White Sox were clearly getting, they were sitting back on the curveball waiting for it, and they were getting it, and they knew he was going to pitch. It, it, it just drives me nuts watching this guy pitch. He gets into his own head, and he doesn't make adjustments. keeps trying to plow through. I, I'd i be stunned if he's with the Rays. He's going into arbitration. He's a Boris guy. 
uh, you know, just some stuff that I've heard off record behind the scenes doesn't make me believe that that Hellickson is going to pitch another game for the Rays. I think he's done with them and he's going to be traded. And I freaking hope it happens because I can't stand watching that guy pitch anymore. And this was one of my favorite guys to watch pitch, but he's backsliding and it's frustrating me because he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he cares. It's like he's, he just looks like he's just going out there every fifth day, taking the ball, and it's the same thing over and over again. And that's what insane. That's the the best definition of insanity is just going out there and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, maybe that's kind of the, maybe he needs the change of scenery. To, maybe for perhaps for that reason, maybe he doesn't like the nightlife at Tampa Bay or something. <laughs> oh, I think he likes the nightlife. I don't think that's. I just <laughs> yeah. I just think. It's a situation where it's really the first time he's been around a team that hasn't uh, had success. You know, it's a losing team this year. Yeah. They just lost their 81st game, so that you know, if they don't win out, they're going to be a sub-500 team. Uh, I just don't know what it's about. When you look at it, you see him going out there and making the same mistakes outing after outing after outing. Eventually, like, what the hell, dude? Uh, and it just doesn't look like – it looks like he's running out of gas. It doesn't look like he's really applying himself. And uh, he's like, whatever, let me just get through this season. It's like he's mailed stuff in. And I, there are better candidates out there. You know, Today, Nate Carnes pitch didn't pitch well. So if the dude on Twitter who asked me for advice, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I recommended him. And he sucks today. But Carnes – but he looked so good to start before against Toronto. I was just like, you know what, if he's going to come out and pitch like that, sure. Just, uh, you know, the White Sox had his number today. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I wouldn't be just – I mean – I, I picked up Carnes and Tout Wars for similar uh, possibilities, and I think I might even throw him again this week. What the heck? I mean, he's got some, he's got some intriguing talent. I think what's, uh, I mean, Hellickson is a type like. Uh, I feel like like I mean, if you're if what you're talking about as far as in game adjustments, I mean, he has a good changeup, a good, pretty good curveball. I'm assuming, right? So, I mean, this is a guy. He has a couple. He has a, a few. Helixson has the stuff. He has the stuff to be an effective number three major league pitcher. Yeah, now, yeah. if he wants to put it all together and make it work, that's a different story. But we've seen what this guy can do when he's right. And the first two, you know, first two and a half years of his career, he was right and it was good. Last year, not so much. Towards the end, uh, and then we found out he needed the elbow surgery this season. Uh, got off to a late start because of having the chips removed, and he looked decent coming out. But then he started backsliding again. So. Uh, he has the stuff to be good, but I don't want to see him on the Rays anymore. I'd rather draft him and put him on my fantasy team and hope that somebody else can tap into it, kind of like the Mickey Callaway did with Carlos Carrasco this year, something like that. Maybe hearing the same message from a different guy may work because whatever Jim Hickey is telling him is going right out one in one, right in one ear and out the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would be interested to see if he goes to a team where I think like as far as Turning pitchers around or kind of, yeah, like uh, being the different type of voice to get in their heads. I think like uh, like a Cleveland, like a Pittsburgh, um, one of those organizations like that, I think would be, it'd be I, I would be pretty intrigued, I think, still. I think, I think folks might be kind of willing to back off him or wanting to back off him based on the results from especially last season, but even this year having kind of lackluster results. And I, I think it's just important to remember that his stuff is still pretty good. Uh, and hearing from your firsthand accounts, having watched the starts that there's certainly, I mean, the, the interest level doesn't, isn't, isn't reflected uh, or it's, it's reflected in his results. Whereas this, you know, his, his, 
abilities aren't necessarily always reflected in the I want to see him getting back to throwing back-to-back change-ups, tripling up on change-ups, throwing a curveball and throwing a change-up off the curveball, pitching backwards more. I want to see more of that because the fa- his fastball – it's not a pitch that he can get by. I mean, if he can locate it good, it's okay. But his fastball is not the kind of pitch that he can live off of. Now, you know, contrast that with Jake Odorizzi. They have the same fastball. They have the same, you know, the, the changeups, both a good pitch for them. They both throw a curveball. Essentially, Odorizzi and Hellickson, from a stuff perspective, on paper, are the same pitcher. Yet, Odorizzi is getting much more out of his stuff than Hellickson is this year. If you went into the season telling anybody that, they would have laughed at you. Yeah, um, Odorizzi seems to be a guy who has really been willing to absorb more material and kind of change. I think adapt, whereas Hellickson doesn't hasn't he hasn't seemed like a very adaptable pitcher. Period. I think he, like I guess it strikes me even as time. I, I remember you talking about him when he first broke in, that saying that like he he might start to add the strikeouts if he starts to throw. I think it was his curveball more often. Like mm-hmm. was, that wasn't something that he used initially when he came up, even though that was considered scouting wise at least. I think one of his biggest weapons. And uh, I mean, he just it seems like his his pitch mix has really not evolved a whole lot since he's been in the majors. Right. So uh, I mean, it's probably for the best that he moves on anyway. Uh, from a number for a number of reasons for both parties but uh yeah i, I mean i'd be interested to see but it, i mean it doesn't I mean at the same time it's going to happen it may be just a, a personality issue or where he's just like you know what i don't care what anybody says i'm going to keep doing what i do he, i mean have you uh I'm just curious have you ever uh, you know kind of on a down low or uh you know off the record have you just have you ever gotten the impression that he seems like kind of a bullheaded type or anything like that not bullheaded um disengaged Okay, I, w- I would say it would be a really good word to use from him. Uh, in some stuff I've witnessed and just off-record stuff, disengaged is about the best word I can use. Okay, so he needs a therapeutic use exemption for Adderall. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's still a low-key guy, but disengaged would be about the best uh, of what I've observed. And what I've heard over the last two seasons, disengaged would be the best word I could use. I'm not a doctor. I'm just that's pretty much my solution for everybody nowadays. <laughs> I'm starting to I'm starting to break prescriptions over here. So, uh, Chris Davis is just uh, he's he's spurred me on to my my uh, psychiatric career, I guess. <laughs> In the Minnesota bullpen, Jared Burton will be handling save duties for the rest of the season. Um, so I guess if you need saves, and that seems to be a thing you're chasing in the final week, there probably isn't a better candidate to go after than Jared Burton, just because if you have to, if you have to guess, he's the guy who's going to – at least you know it's a situation where he's going to do it as opposed to uh, – uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head that we've covered here in the past several weeks uh, where there was a lot of, a lot of uncertainty. But uh, the Detroit situation, if you're not – I mean, you're tired of the Joe Nathan deal, and I mean – Joaquin Soria is certainly not by at least a name is not uh, going to be a guy that they turn to uh, or any of those types of situations. Burton is going to get saved opportunities. So well, there's another good example of that, too, because, you know, th- they said that the MRI on on uh, Glenn Perkins was fine. And, you know, there's nothing to be worried about, but they're shutting him down for the rest of the season. Well, so are we out of the woods with Glenn Perkins yet? Who knows? Certain- That's something to watch. Yeah, we certainly aren't. Uh, and I actually was I was trying to skim a blog here on that topic or, or earlier today just to see what might not know. 
uh, what we might not know about the whole situation. I mean, I did I did read in plain in plain letters that the uh, the owner collateral ligament came out pristine. There were they I think it was descri- the technician described it as perfect. So there's no damage to it whatsoever. Oh, uh, uh, who did we hear that about recently? And the, the person ended up having the surgery. Uh, you're gonna have to refresh my memory. I'm sure it happens more often than we realize. God, it was happened like a month or six <laughs> weeks ago. Somebody they said, oh, the MRI is clear on it. The the UCL is fine. And then, like three days later, surgery. I you know I don't remember. I I feel like that's I feel like that's happened so often in my life uh, that. I really couldn't. Well, I know. I mean, earlier in the season, Matt Moore, the first one, they came out and said he was fine, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go the rest of rehab thing, and then uh, boom, there he, we are. He had his issues. Oh, this is driving me crazy because there was somebody. It was over the summer where they, somebody came out and said it's fine. You know, this is you know this was the uh, it's pristine, and it wasn't Brett AJ Griffin. Oh, this is driving me crazy. It wasn't Beachy. Somebody in this mess, they came out and said he's fine. Nothing. I'm sure it's an obvious name. Or we're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but not. There was somebody earlier this summer where they had the exact same wording. It's pristine. It's fine. And the dude was done for the year. That is interesting. And, uh, well, I mean, it's right now the issue they're describing it as is it's a nerve irritation. And he has. Oh, wait a second. Fernandez. Ah, Jose Fernandez. Yes, that's. Yeah. Can't get a much bigger case than that. That is true. They did say. <laughs> they I want to say the word. I want to say it was him. Go ahead. Keep going. No, I mean, because I want to look at the exact words. Because it was. Oh, he's fine. And then they went in and had it. I'm like, <laughs> oops. Well, Perkins, and he's been dealing with this forearm strain, which obviously we know is a, always a potential warning sign of, uh, at the very least, irritation or uh, po- possible damage to the UCL. So, um, but. So far, everything sounds to be okay, and I mean, they basically, want to shut him down. I mean, he's been his his last handful of appearances have been god awful. I mean, terrible. He's I think there's a couple of them. He gave up three runs. Another where he gave up a run. So, uh, or a couple of others where he gave up a run. It's it's been pretty ugly, um, and uh, I think it, it means if you hadn't already. I think given the combination of the health issues, and this was something that's, that totally slipped under my radar because it wasn't something that I saw on like any news feeds on a regular basis that they were discussing Perkins. It just kept, you know, I was like, you know, Perkins keeps blowing save opportunities here. What's going on with that? I never looked more into it. But at least now we have some more information. Uh, Perkins would be a guy I would be hesitant to draft uh, going into next season. And I, I probably sound strange, I guess, but I would be – more willing to pay the double digit, I mean, maybe not double digit dollars uh, for Perkins as ever consideration in a mixed league. I don't know. I get that's uh, given all things consi- all things considered. I think Perkins, if he's healthy, people are willing to spend that because he was always kind of viewed as this awesome second tier closer. Uh, that oh, just, I love I love the dude. Yeah, but uh, I think given this scenario, like, it, are, you, are you just as nervous as a, say an investment in, t- in Tanaka? I mean, are you? We won't we won't put the, put them on the same scale as far as dollars, but are you just as nervous, less nervous, more nervous, trying to trying to invest in him? Um, I would say today, yeah, I, I'm with a forearm strain, and now this being willing to shut the guy down like this, I would say yeah, I'm I'm equally as nervous about Perkins as I am Tanaka. Okay, yeah, uh, I think. I think I'm I'm about equal too, which I think says 
which to me says more about Perkins to me because I'm less nervous about Tanaka than you are. But I think like it says more about Perkins. Like I don't, I, I think kind of like you do, like this is not the last we necessarily hear of this. This would be a situation that I would monitor a lot more than t- that I would be, you know, more, more interested to see how the news develops over the winter um, as far as Perkins goes. And uh, it, maybe I would say Minnesota, <laughs> the thing is, Minnesota, I would say on Minnesota's part, um, ordinarily you might say also like if a team brings in like bullpen help or something like that that may give you an idea of how you know, they at least want to cover their bases I don't think Minnesota plans for situations <laughs> like this I mean look at the way they've handled the catcher situation center field uh, middle infield third base like they don't they don't seem to have a lot of contingency plans in place all the time. They just kind of go got, go get guys if they want them or something like that. And it's just like, we'll fit them all. We'll, we'll try to fit them all in later. Or we'll go out and sign, uh, uh, oh, geez, what's the, uh, what's the shortstop? Jason Bartlett. We'll go sign Jason Bartlett and that'll work out. I mean, like they, they, you know, so I like, we're not, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of, in, uh, uh, indication from any moves that they make in the off season. So I don't know. That's, but, you know, I'm I'm fine. This is absolutely the right thing for them to do. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and certainly throw. They're a scrub team. Throw whatever you want for the final week. Just throw them out there. But uh, it was Jose Fernandez they, when they said when the Marlins first announced. They said, you know, he's got a sprain, but otherwise his arm is pristine. And then surgery. So again, not out of the woods. And I've been a big Glenn Perkins fan. I in AL leagues, I've never hesitated to pay fifteen bucks for that guy. I'm going to hesitate to pay fifteen bucks for him. Right now, if you were, if we were drafting right now for some exercise for 2015, I am not paying the money that I am always willing to pay for Glenn Perkins. Yeah, uh, yeah, at the very least. I mean, you're talking. I would think it's about in an AL league a two thirds or well, it's a one third discount. I would think at least. Uh, yeah, ten bucks, and then then you know, give or take. See what goes. Yeah, right. Uh, and just one one other interesting note related to bullpens. Trevor Rosenthal, uh, he was pulled from a save opportunity. On Friday and uh, matchup based. Yes, it was most matchup. matchup based. It was matchup based, but it's interesting that they did pull Rosenthal. I mean, because he only he faced I think three batters and walked one, maybe hit walked one hit, and gave up a hit and struck out a batter. Uh, and then they went to Randy Choate and then Seth Manis. Uh, kind of, I mean, given the given the way this is going, I guess I guess. Uh, you know, maybe I'll say Pitt, <laughs> Rosenthal versus Burton, who has more saves this week. <laughs> so, I, guess so, I mean, I was watching that game, and as badly as Mike Matheny can manage a game, I thought that was one of his better moments mm-hmm. to go ahead and do that because they needed that win. I mean, when they were, I believe they were playing Milwaukee on that. Yeah, they were playing Milwaukee, trying to stick the. Uh, no, that was the Pirates. That was the Jonathan Broxton giving up the bomb. But no, they were playing. They were still trying to stay ahead of Pittsburgh to win that division. And they needed that win against the Reds. And, and that was the right matchup to play to do. So uh, it worked for him. And that's what he should do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's nice to see a manager kind of take control of it as opposed to, I mean, it's, there's a fine line between micromanagement and, uh, and letting guys go. Uh, but uh, it sounds as if he walked, he walked the line successfully there. Um, so it's, it, I think it would just be interesting. Most, this is really going to have a, an effect more so on what happens probably in the postseason than for fantasy owners. But, uh, I mean, I would – I mean, Rosenthal is still in your lineup, et cetera. But it's uh, – I mean, if you have alternatives or something like that, I suppose. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out maybe going into next season as well. 
Uh, <clears throat> Mike Miner, he had experienced some shoulder discomfort and left his start on Saturday, and he also missed his first month of the season uh, because of shoulder tendonitis. So I would not expect to see Mike Miner for the rest of this season. Not that you nope. necessarily wanted to. Not that the sure. answer. <laughs> Um, God, I love that guy coming into this year, but what a piece of crap he's been. Yeah, uh, last month and a half, last month, maybe month and a half has been okay, or well, pretty good at times. Uh, but uh, given all this, I think I would not be even remotely willing to rely on him in this final week. And uh, other pitchers you won't be relying on are Dallas Keuchel and Ruby De La Rosa. De La Rosa actually took the Red Sox a good bit uh, longer to shut down than I thought they would. Uh, mm-hmm. But he he and Keiko both have been shut down. Keiko's pitched enough. He's already over 200 innings to shut him down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he remains. Uh, De La Rosa has the kind of stuff that remain. You know, has you kind of on the uh, the sleeper alert list going into the next season. But he still has some problems with the control, uh, or more so probably command, because I don't think is it always does exactly what he wants it to. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think he remains on that. And Keiko, I mean. Uh, People, I, I still can't help but think that some people are going to kind of view, view this season as a fluke from him. This is a guy you're still interested in, right? I mean, I'm still. I, oh yeah, I, I'm. I'm looking to buy again next, or looking to buy next season. I was skeptical coming into this year, but I uh, mean, it was a tale. It was a tale of two halves. I mean, when you look at that awesome run that he had, where he was just throwing the, the great baseball, you're like, wow, look at I mean, look what this guy was able to do. That was that was fun to watch, but. Well, if you remember, uh, I mean, kind of what spurred his kind of bad run was uh, some kind of wrist or wrist soreness or something like that. And he wasn't throwing. He was either a changeup or a breaking ball that he was he was basically put in his back pocket. And uh, that kind of I mean, he had some rough results. And then once I think like he had like an, an extra couple of days or an extra uh, or basically was pushed back a, a few days one time uh, for one turn. And mm-hmm. I think that helped him to get over the wrist soreness, and from then on, he was he was good to go. So I think that he that's had that one little spot. I mean, when you look at the thing, he's allowed 11 home runs this year, high high ground ball rate, and yeah. that's it. The strikeout rate is a, as a tick below league average. But if you split his season in half, 256 batting average against and an 18.7 strikeout rate in the first half, 247 and a 17.2 in the second half. Walk rate identical, home run rate identical, OPS nearly identical. You know, again, high, high ground ball rate. The defense around him is getting better, and you can't really ask for more there. I mean, that's that. this is a guy that's draftable in a 12-team league. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in a mixed league, at the very end of the game, I think he's a, he's an end game in that material just because the strikeouts aren't there. So he's end game material, but he doesn't hurt himself. I mean, we end of the season, we're talking about a guy when he got the ball, took 17 starts this year, nine wins. I'm sorry, uh, split was wrong there. Hold on a second. Uh, 29 starts, 12 wins, 292 ERA, 118 whip, and struck out 146 in 200 innings. That's absolutely. 12-team mixed league, that's in, that's in the back end of your rotation. Now, I'm not paying more than five bucks for those numbers, but those are great numbers. He's the kind of guy that I would be willing to top somebody on because besides the fact, I mean, like, you can find pitching on the wire, but, like, because he was so consistent throughout the season and because we know why he was successful, like, I, I pay, I'll top somebody for something that I feel confident in projecting. Mm-hmm. Like, um I'll top somebody for upside. I'll top somebody for reliability or dependability, uh, and I won't. I mean, it's and it kind it's kind of depends. I won't. I won't get into a bidding war on a guy that is just uh, that where it's like Danny Salazar. I was all over, and I love the hype. 
but I never, I never ended up owning that guy anywhere. Yeah. And like, that's, it was like kind of disappointing at the time. And then I was like, well, I guess that just goes to show you. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with him. It's just the, the one that Carlos Carrasco, I mentioned earlier, wanted him badly in Tout Wars. Ended up with a dollar at the end, and I was hoping to get him. And stupid Podhors are at $2. It got down to like going twice. All of a sudden, he's like, two. I was ready to throw my computer across the room at him. I was that angry. Uh, <laughs> so, and that was basically off a conversation that Eno and I had where he kind of turned me. I'm like, you know, I've liked the potential and the arm, but he just hasn't put it together. And, and you know, it was like he's got, you know, above average whiff rates on his pitches. That, that stuff come together. I'm like, you know what? I do need strikeouts. And then I ended up uh, not getting him. I was so pissed off when I didn't get him. <laughs> I mean, super pissed off. He remains, I, I definitely understand that. He remains, Carrasco remains en- enigmatic in my, like, I think I think really think it's purely mental with him and that like I, I mean I don't view this as I don't view this as a breakout so much as this is kind of this is what he's capable of assuming that he has kind of a clear head. I mean I think that that those types of things matter and uh, for him they seem to matter a lot more than others. So uh, mm-hmm. let's hope he has a very uneventful off season. I think it's kind of <laughs> or that uh, I mean he they, they continue. I mean he's. You know, he said his stint in the bullpen basically helped him to, you know, learn to develop a short memory, and so far he that's proven to be the, that's proven to be true. I think that 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 kind of mentality he needs to maintain it. He's one of those pitchers that needs to, to think to uh, to work hard on the mental aspect of the game. Uh, as far as uh, <clears throat> uh, some other injured players, I mean, we could just you know there there's not a whole lot of reliability left out there. I think uh, uh, when you're talking about players and are they healthy or are they not. Um, David Peralta is back in action for the Diamondbacks, and he's somebody. I mean, he had back soreness. He's he is somebody I think you can rely on uh, because the Diamondbacks they're not going anywhere. But he's a converted pitcher, uh, and so I, mean, I think that they want to continue to expose him. And I mean, he he could be a piece that they look to rely on as a, at least a fourth outfielder next season. But given the fact that I mean, he doesn't have the kind of Rick Ankeel strikeout rates or anything you expect from these guys. I mean, he has a pretty decent looking hit tool and on base ability, a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop, but he's, he's somebody to keep in mind. I think even going into next season. Uh, and so I think he's going to continue to get the playing time, but like other players, Ryan Zimmerman, do you rely on him? He's coming back, comes back no. from the screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he comes back, he gets two hits on Sunday, uh, two hits on Saturday, then sits on Sunday. I mean, what's he going to play three games this week? Right? Pretty I mean, much. I mean, we've been waiting on him forever to yeah. get back, and he's, and he's done this. And I mean, I've got him in an 18-team league, and I don't even want to use him. That's a, There you go. That says something right there, I think. Uh, Jason Kipnis. Now, I, I think I think I we're willing to rely on him in a weekly lineup, I think. I mean, it depends on my options, but he comes back. He has a slight hamstring strain that he takes on Thursday, and they were saying, again, though, this is what they're saying. But the the Indians are right in the, they're right on the outside. They're they're desperately desperately seeking Susan for a wild card spot, uh, and supposedly he was very close to getting back in action this past weekend. Um, I, again, like I think, given what are you know, it's like what are my options? And I uh, the only the only question here is, of course, I mean he's he's been he's been a, a better contributor in terms of speed than he has been in power, so. The likelihood that he contributes in speed if he comes back from a hamstring strain is he willing to test it, et cetera, et cetera. There's also the stolen base matchups. Is that a guy you're willing to trust in your championship run lineup? <laughs> no, you know one steal really. No, I don't trust a guy coming back off hamstring. Is he really going to stretch it? I don't think so. 
Okay, uh, Brandon Belt coming back from, comes back from a concussion. At least at least he's there. Uh, the Giants are certainly in the midst of a, a playoff run, and uh, it seems to be. I mean, they're they're in the driver's seat for the for a wild card spot. Uh, but I mean, here's a guy who's who's had multiple absences related to concussions, and he's 0 for 7 since his return. Given what might not be available, is this a guy that you would consider trusting in your lineup? Um, yeah, given what they need, they've got that critical series against the Dodgers later this week. They have to sweep that series. All hands on deck. Yes. Okay. I, I tend to agree. I think I would like to see what Bell Although he's got to have to face Kershaw in one of those games. That is true. So he'll be sitting. And, uh, you know, it'll be Posey at first and uh, Susack or what have you at, at, at catcher. Uh, Danny Duffy, shoulder discomfort. He'll be available and is probable to – I think he's now – I mean, he was expected to start Monday barring some some need for him somewhere else. Uh, is this a guy that you would pitch? The Royals are desperately – you know, they're they're trying to hang on to a wild card spot as well. Uh, I would say no. Coming off the shoulder uh, issue, they've already scratched him and delayed him. I am not uh, terribly excited about his uh, future. Yeah, he last pitched on September 6th. Uh, and, it's, of course, I mean – Basically, he's been just kind of doing bullpen, and I think the latest thing was a sim game. So, like, this is not a guy who can get very deep into a game, probably. Uh, and I, I would think that it's pretty much a guarantee the same thing for Kevin Gaussman, uh, who had a blister on Friday, and he's expected to make his next start. But he never goes more than six innings anyway, and the Orioles already have things pretty much wrapped up. So it's not like there's a ton of upside with Gaussman to begin with. Oh, it, he's a he's a classic guy. What we were talking about earlier. That's a classic dude who's going to come in and get his work in and leave. Yeah, sounds. That's, I don't see that him way. getting a. He's a perfect example because they're going to want to use him. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he they're going to start. You know, if, if he's not going to be in the rotation. Yeah, do something like that because it's probably what he's going to do in the postseason. But that's a classic example of a guy that I have zero faith in. Uh, going five innings and trying to change going for a win. He'll get his strikeouts. I just don't see him doing any extra work this week. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, basically now we get into the guys of, we get into the list of guys that uh, there's pretty much no reason to trust. Jacoby Ellsbury strained hamstring. He's hopeful to come back before the end of the season. Joe Girardi says he's probably, he could be shut down. And I agree with Joe. Joe Girardi. <laughs> Juan Laguerre, Juan elbow sprain, could be out for us. Anytime you're dealing with an elbow sprain, even if it's a position player, probably not going to see him. And this guy, was a, he's been a, a, just a huge source of stolen bases in the last three weeks to a month. Um, yes. So this is a disappointment. Uh, Josh Hamilton. I mean, can, can you trust – you couldn't trust Josh Hamilton in a normal week. So I don't think you can trust him when he's been sitting for the past couple almost and uh, dealing with shoulder, chest, and side tightness and soreness. He says he might be back Wednesday or Friday. No, I don't think so. Uh, Jimmy Rollins. This is an interesting case because they, they thought that there was an outside chance to come back this past weekend. But now, I mean, basically Ryan Sandberg says he, he won't commit to having Rollins back in his lineup for the rest of the season. No reason to think that he's going to contribute to you. I mean, dump these guys. Like, I mean, I guess I always encounter fantasy owners that are hesitant to dump these players, and it's like, what's the difference? You know, I mean, nobody else is going to go pick them up. Exactly. Uh, Angel Pagan, I mean, back back issues, questionable for upcoming Dodger series. Uh, and Michael Morris, same thing. Don't rely on these guys. Uh, Alex Rios, done for the rest of the season. Mark Teixeira actually wants to get a cortisone injection so that he can play again before the season is over. Do you think the Yankees are going to allow him to do that? Probably Well, not. they're, they're trying. 
They have. They're not making the postseason, but um, no, they're four and a half back of a wild card spot. It's virtually that's that's. Cortisol's not a routine thing. I mean, your body can only right. do so much of that. That's the thing that people need to understand. It's not just ooh, let's do this and make you feel better. Right. Uh, it's, it, it's, it it masks pain. That's what it does. It just it doesn't fix pain. It just masks it. There's no reason to take a cortisone shot to play a meaningless week of baseball. Right. And uh, I mean, it's not. I, I, my understanding is I've never actually. Uh, well, I've never actually had one, but I mean, it's not. I like, have. It's not an MMR shot or anything like it. It's a- no, I have it. It's, they put it right. I had to have it when my first, um, before my first labor surgery. They weren't sure what it was. They're like, here, let's jack cortisone in you and see how much this helps. I'm like, for two days, I felt like Superman. I'm like, wow, this is great. I can move my shoulder. And then I went and tried to go out and like do something. And I was like, oh, that hurt like hell. This was stupid. <laughs> and uh, that's what the problem is. It just it makes you think you could do more than you really can. So, no, I don't. What's the point? Right. Carlos Beltran, similar story. Bone spurs in the elbow. Still dealing with that. Uh, Nick Marcakis has not played since. Now, he's just been hit by a pitch. Uh, Here's a question, I guess. I mean, you know, and he hasn't played since Tuesday. The Orioles haven't had a need to push him out there. And he'll probably get in a few games this week. But what's the upside with Marcakis? He doesn't provide stolen bases, really. And you might, I mean, you know, it's like, what, a 1 in 10 chance he hits a home run. So there's not really a lot of upside. You probably should look somewhere else. Alex Avila, same deal. There's not a lot of upside. Concussion-like symptoms that he's been feeling for a week now. Don't don't mess with it. And Carlos Ruiz has been sitting basically every other day because he's been dealing with a short shoulder all season. That's actually someone that the Phillies locked up in in a contract extension last winter. And so there's really no need for them to push him uh, if you're out there in a 15-team mixed league and using a guy like that. Agreed. And there's probably a uh, there's probably three times as many players on that list. Uh, these are just the ones that came across the the desk and uh, wanted to point out. I mean, there really should be no question about any players like that. If you have that at all, uh, you will be reaching into the depths of your free agent pool this week, and you should be willing to do so. Uh, and probably coming up is. What's a little more important for this week is your your streamer type matchups or or what have you or your two start pitchers, which is what we always talk about. We'll put in maybe a, a few minutes extra of, of looking to them this week. And Danny Duffy, I just I mean I noticed he is one that's lined up for them. It's not a guy I would necessarily uh, look to look to start. Although at Cleveland is a, kind of an attractive matchup because Cleveland typically hammers right handers much more so than lefties. But again, we talked about him. But is is there anybody that stands out on this list, especially those of course that are not necessarily highly owned? Uh, and uh, I mean, like Brandon McCarthy, I guess I'm not sure if he's if he's highly owned. I think he's kind of gotten things back to figure it out. Uh, but he's. He's probably, At this point, he's probably highly on because yeah, he's pitched true. so well for the Yankees and surprisingly well. I mean, that's something I was wrong. I I hated that move. I'm like, wow, that's really going to be it. But he changed things. I mean, he yeah. went to little did we know that the Arizona had said, "Dude, stop no throwing cuts. your cutter." Yeah, yeah, no cutter. And the Yankees are like, "Don't do, please throw the cutter." Um, you know, again, it's really tough to see who's going to pitch the the who's really going to do their work this week and say, yeah, I'm going to throw, I'm going to really throw this much. There are nobody who, there's nobody who stands at like a, you know, Bud Norris, Wei and Chen, they're a get in their work type of guys. I mean, cause it, well, they're getting their work because it's Baltimore type. I mean, Jay Happ, cause lefties, the lefties matchups that are there uh, for him, he's yeah. probably going to be facing a, a very well-rested Baltimore lineup uh, and a Seattle lineup that has left, has issues with lefties. So that may be a guy that be willing to take a chance on uh, might not be might not be the worst to be tra- chasing for strikeouts either. 
Right. I mean, that that's really the the one guy that stands off the list because he's going to pitch and he's going to stay. I mean, because you look at Wei Ying Chen, he, he's going to have two starts. Is he going to work deep into both of them? No, no. probably not. Uh, and that's really the only guy that I would be like, okay, yeah, they're going to go ahead and give him his two outings. Go ahead and go for it. So that's that's my guy this week for the AL. J-Hep. The only guy I'm going to say is uh, Nick Martinez because I like Nick Martinez. and uh, First name Homer. Yes, Primarily, that's it. I think that there's, I think that there's some, there's some, there's something that interests me about him, and I'm going to take a huge leap of faith, maybe in an AL league. I mean, I have to, I'd have to look deeper into it. But the combination, I mean, two starts at home, uh, Texas, obviously not, but I think he's generally a pitcher is better at home than on the road if it's you know kind of all things equal. Uh, Houston and Oakland. I mean, Oakland has been. They continue to be terrible on offense. I don't really think that they're going to figure it out. Uh, you know, I know that it could happen at any time, but I don't think that's Here's the, the case. funny thing. As terrible as they've been on offense, you know what their run differential is this year? Uh, well, they've only been they've only been terrible on offense for the past uh, seven weeks or Month? so. Yeah. You know what their run differential is this year? It's probably astronomical. Plus 145. Yeah. They, were, they only well, have four wins. They were... They were absolutely obliterating people for the first three and a half, four months of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, and everybody wants to blame it on Cespedes. I was talking to somebody this year. No, it's certainly uh, not Cespedes. I think it's yeah, – yeah, it's not Cespedes. It's just their overestimation, I think, of the rest of what they had. I challenge listeners, find me a more overrated player than Yoenis Yo- Cespedes, please. <laughs> please. I mean, I'm d- dead serious about this. I mean – Everybody wants to say, I swear to God, it's the home run derby that does it to him. Because I'm going about to read you, let me read you a list of players that have a higher, this is, uh, Cespedes has been in the league three years now. So I'm going to read you a list of players that have a higher weighted on base average than Joanna Cespedes in the three years he's been in the major leagues. Ready? This is minimum 1,500 plate appearances. Adam Dunn, Andre Ethier, Todd Frazier, Austin Jackson, Alan Craig, Justin Morneau, Aaron Hill, Chase Headley, and 51 other guys. He's or 50 guys. He's 57th on that list. Those are guys that are ahead of him. Now, if we were to throw the, all those guys in a hat and say, let's draft right now, you're going to pay more. You're probably going to pay double for Cespedes than any one of those guys. But over the last three years, all of those guys have been more valuable offensively than Cespedes. I would still pay a little more for him now that he's in Boston. <laughs> he's crap. His numbers have been the exact same in Boston, too, than they were if you look at his numbers across the board. They're pretty much the same thing. No, it is Next true. year is his walk year. Next year is his walk year because he had that, the way his deal was structured. So maybe he plays his ass off next year and does better in that ballpark. If you're a believer of contract years, which you shouldn't be because it's been documented to be pretty much junk science, go ahead and pay for him. But this is a guy I constantly find this guy to be overrated. Yeah, it it does seem to be or tend to be the case. He is he is definitely a bit overrated. Oh, there's uh, and one I wanted to point out a two start guy, um, kind of going on the same on the Texas train. Uh, but Derek Holland, obviously, he's pitched phenomenally since he's been back, and it's not necessarily reason to believe it. I think people might. This is more of a stretch of where people. We talked about this with Eno. People are going to be overrating the stress for Holland next season more so than. Uh, they are for this one, but uh, Holland with a two-star a week and absolutely no reason for Texas to hold him back. Certainly no reason to push him either, but uh, certainly a guy who is not just going to be getting his work in. They can let him go. He'll get in six or seven innings at least uh, against both Houston and Oakland and uh, probably stands a pretty reasonable chance to be dominant against them. 
Here's the thing. I liked Holland coming in before he fell down the stairs, whatever the crap he did. <laughs> but I liked him. I had him as a, as a keeper. This is a guy that's always intrigued me because he got the strikeouts. I thought Texas would have a better year. Um, but I cut Holland loose once he got hurt like that. But this is a guy that I, it seems to keep finding ways on my team. Yeah. He's he's uh, he is a strange commodity, I think. But I like Overall, I like the package. I think I like him more than not. I'd be willing to buy him in more years than not. Uh, I don't like to buy a player like him. Where I think that there's uh, there's always a bit of a command issue, I think, with him. Uh, or it can be. There's always the threat of it. And so uh, there are a number of other things, I guess, a little stuff. But he's he's definitely a quality pitcher uh, for the most part. Um, but I wouldn't. I, I, I would hesitate always to project him for a, an ERA much better than a 4 uh, and, that's not, and that's not necessarily, it's not really huge in terms of fantasy production. Uh, but the strikeouts are definitely alluring. Uh, and does anybody in the National League, uh, I mean, I guess there's no reason for Mike Fires not to make both of his starts. Uh, I mentioned Matzik. I mean, with the one start at San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, and then... Uh, I think you take your chances with the Dodgers. I mean, they could be having things wrapped up by the- <laughs> Yes, exactly. You're going to get the scrubs. Uh, you'll get the scrubs playing in a lot of that game. So he kind of stands out. Mike fires against a, a, a putrid Cincinnati lineup and a Cubs lineup that could go He's, either way. We know he struck out a ton of them last time. Yeah, it was like 14 and what, yes. five innings this, or something? No, yes, this was the matchup but... that, or seven, but this was the... Yeah. He also stands out, but his week could be useless as well. But they'll probably just let him pitch. I mean, Milwaukee just dug their own grave and blew my. Uh, God, they pissed me. That that one really pisses me off. The fact they're not going to be in the postseason because they were there, and then Gomez got hurt, and then they just completely fell apart. Uh, it doesn't bother me in the least. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I predicted them to make the postseason. I wanted to be uh, right about. Oh yeah, that that's that's nobody. Two other dudes picked them. Two. That's true. Uh, Johnny Johnny Cueto uh, is this a guy that I mean? Do you think that he he's they let him go to make both of his starts completely? I guess maybe for the potential to be uh, outside looking in Cy Young award chance. I don't know. I don't. That's pretty much. I mean, but it doesn't matter. He's gonna. You really want to pitch a guy for runner up because uh, the, the thing's gonna be Kershaw's to begin with. Right. But I mean, he's already pitched. He's already thrown. I mean, forget it. He's thrown 228 innings this year. He threw 61 last year. If you were already, if you were worried about a workload concern or a jump in innings, then forget it. You've already blown way past that. You might as well just let him pitch. I mean, he threw 217 the year before, so that's two out of three seasons where he's thrown 215 or more innings. But again, if you were worried about it, he's already quad. He's about quadrupled his workload from last year. You really, at his age, you don't worry about. It, you don't care. You might as well just go ahead and let him pitch. It seems pretty likely that Pittsburgh will remain kind of on that teetering spot in the wild card. I mean, they're oh, yeah. right now they have a spot, so like no reason not to think that Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano, et cetera, et cetera. They, no concerns. Yeah, I figure so. Um, and uh, the Phillies have always kind of been. I mean, it's a team that they typically let their guys go, so I, w- I would expect Hamels to make both of his starts and pitch, pitch you know, well deep enough into him at least six innings assuming there's no performance as much issues. as you're paying him you may as well yep <laughs> uh adam wainwright uh there's one like i mean i i mean perceivable that he's a guy who just kind of gets his work in no yeah on the second start why why 
kind of there's a good just, chance they're going to have to clinch the, they'll they'll have clinched the division by Tuesday or Wednesday. There's no reason for him to do much in the second start. Right. I think like it could be a case where they just do, they get him in his work where and basically they're trying they trying to line things up for that first series. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else strikes me uh, off the top of my head. There is a guy that I'd be either worried about or not worried about. Um, no, like, fires uh, and mats are going to my two guys. Yeah. And, everybody uh, else you pretty Rob, much own and you're going to try to run them out there. And Robbie, Robbie Erland is a guy we talked about earlier. I would definitely, be, yes, definitely take a shot on him. Um, I think that's, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Jason, are there any exciting topics off the top of your head that uh, you might want to advise fantasy owners of? Uh, heading into this final week of the season? No. Uh, again, you're the, you know the rules. If you're winning money on this stuff, you take care of your spouse or your significant <laughs> other. That's where your money goes. Uh, thanks to – I know a few of you guys did donate to the thing that you know uh, – That I'm sorry, that Nick, uh, Nick, that you linked to last week, the you caring thing for the friend of mine whose youngest son is uh, going through a pretty crazy form of cancer. Uh, so I saw that a few of you guys donate. You didn't have to put my name on there, but you know, thanks for doing that. So she reached out to me and, and wanted me to, to pass along her gratitude uh, for you all doing that. So if you haven't done that, just go check. Um, if you could link to it again this week. Yes. Because they're still trying to get to their goal. But uh, So if you win some money, take care of your significant other, take a percent out, donate to the to the cause that'd be great and um, send in some if there's some stuff you want us to talk about since the next podcast we do will be an off-season one yeah because the regular season will be over um and i don't think you're winning a championship i know i'm not winning a championship so it won't be one where we're gonna say god we're the best <laughs> we're gonna gloat about our championship because we don't have one to gloat about i have a lot of bridesmaids finishes this year but no uh, no title I saw that. But if there's stuff you want us to chat about, please do. I, have, in. I haven't looked at the. I haven't looked at them. I saw the email come in, but I haven't looked at the latest overall standings for the FSWA. And I know you and I were both in the top twenty for that. Um, I'm finished second in that league. Yeah, I'm stupid. I was. I was. I'm kind of been teetering between second and third in my own league in that one, and so uh, I'm a little. But I'm 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 like twenty points behind the leader, so I, I have no prayer of winning it. And he's basically it's actually the guy who overtook the overall lead is is the guy who's winning mine. Uh, so. Oh, you've got that guy. I've got uh, I was I was in first. I've been in first or second place in this league most of the year. But he kind of uh, leapfrogged me a little bit in August, and I've been trying to play catch up. And I got within two points. I can't get. And I'm not going to get it. Uh, but yeah, I was a little disappointed in that one because I was doing well and then I, I ran out of starts last week so i've been only only relievers and i don't care who i pick up this week it's not gonna matter i was in, i can't jack the standings up enough to do it yeah i was in like ninth or so in mine for uh probably the first third of the season and i was like i know this team's way better than that so that's where i ended up but we'll see it'd be interesting to see i didn't i didn't look i'd be interested to see where we finish relatively to each other but i think you're you've been kind of steadily four or five or more places ahead of me in that uh uh, if uh, maybe I'll, I'll donate a little more to the you caring thing, uh, if I if you finish ahead of me or vice versa, I don't know. One way or the other, I'm going to throw in some some to that as well. It's a fantastic cause, and I'm yes, glad you brought that to fantasy attention. We wish everybody good luck in this final week of the season. Uh, bring one home, and uh, well, bring more than one home if you can. That'd be fantastic. And uh, yes. win one for the Gipper. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for joining us. This is uh, episode number 168. Uh, Jason, thank you as always. And uh, this is Nicholas Minix. Uh, this is The Sleeper and the Bust. Boom.